Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Hello and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this Friday, the 29th of July, 2022. Last Friday of the month, last working day of the week. And I trust you've had a phenomenal week and looking forward to hopefully some rest over the weekend, some recuperation, some reflection, and getting ready to load into and reload into a brand new month come Monday, being the 1st of August. Man, I said it earlier this week, you cannot believe how quickly the months are going, how quickly the years are going, and uh, wow, we've just got to make every single post the winner, which means we've got to be plugged in to doing the right things at the right time with the right people and therefore delivering the right results. And if we do that consistently, then as I always say to sales leaders, the results will take care of themselves. So in today's episode, uh, I want to ask a question, and that is, are you ruthless and are you uncompromising when it comes to your standards of excellence? Because the title of this particular episode will be be ruthless in your pursuit of excellence. Now, I often ask this question of letters, and I was doing a coaching session yesterday, and uh, a few things came up, and I asked the question around this in terms of how ruthless are you and how uncompromising are you when it comes to the standards that you set for yourself, but also the standards that you set for your team. And this is all around levels of excellence. Now, it wasn't necessarily yesterday that they that they shared they didn't have standards in place, but I'm, I'm actually quite surprised that many leaders that I work with uh, and many teams that I work with don't necessarily sit down and think about what are the standards of excellence that we want to put in place, that if we adhere to those and if we continue to measure ourselves according to those, we'll set ourselves up for some sustained success. Uh, Many leaders and therefore by default many teams leave the success almost to happen by accident and some are very lucky in that they happen to be the right place at the right time. And they tend to get deals that come in, which is fantastic and all power to them. But it doesn't necessarily create a platform for sustained growth nor sustained success. So we we need to get really, really clear on what are the standards of excellence we need to put in place and how do we actually focus our attention on those so that everybody in the team knows exactly what's expected of them, what those standards are, and therefore any conversations that we have, particularly around feedback, is going to be adhering to what those standards that have been identified are. And so are you ruthless and are you uncompromising in your standards of excellence? Do you have standards of excellence? Are you focused on the key principles and the disciplines that will create an environment for that sustained success? Now, if you haven't done that, then the question is, why not? And it's many. It's interesting, many sales leaders that I talk to haven't been taught this. They've been taught, let's, let's work according to the sales methodology. Let's go out and take action. We don't necessarily spend enough time thinking about what we want the environment to look like. How do we want people to feel as part of that environment? Because a lot of the times we're almost indoctrinated into thinking, well, we've got to actually take tangible action. And tangible action is you need to have a certain amount of calls that are being made. You see, you need to be attending certain numbers of meetings. And through that, the power of osmosis will deliver some sort of conversion rate. But we need to take a lot of st- a few steps backwards from that and start thinking about, well, in order for us to take that definitive action, what are the things that we need to be conscious of in terms of what do we stand for as a team? What do I stand for as a leader? What's important to me? What's important to my team? What are some of the disciplines and what are some of the characteristics that we need to put in place 
that we can now measure ourselves against that when we take action, we're taking action in the right areas and therefore maximize the opportunity of getting a positive return. Now, I was doing a coaching session yesterday and one of the leaders was sharing some insights about a team member who was not living up to expectations. Now, this person is in a business development role. They've been relatively, well, they've been indoctrinated into the organization, so they've been onboarded and they're probably about three, three and a half months in uh, into the business and they've got a six-month probation period. Uh, but the leader was sharing with me that for all intents and purposes, this person was, sh- was showing a lot of uh, potential. They certainly had a great track record that they brought with them to the organization. But there's a number of things that have been happening over the last, particularly the last month or so, that have started to put some question marks against this person's name and some questions that the leader is now starting to ask in relation to whether we have actually picked the right person and whether we have brought the right person on board. Now, with all of this, as a leader, and this is what I said to them yesterday, is we have to take 100% responsibility for everything that happens. That includes bringing in people that perhaps at the outset looked like they were a great uh, hire, but end up being something perhaps completely different uh, because we know that there are people who are very, very good at uh, telling a great story, particularly when it comes to uh, interviews and processes around interviews tell a great story and uh, can look very impressive and sound very impressive. And then when they get into the actual role, you find out that perhaps a lot of it was just uh, just hot air, a lot of rhetoric, and they're not necessarily as good as they perhaps gave the impression that they were. And then, of course, there are other people who uh, are not that good at interviews, but they have a great work ethic and they are very principled in terms of how they go about it. And they end up being phenomenal performers. And uh, these are the ones we want to continue to invest in. Now, the challenge is we don't necessarily know which one's going to be which at the time. So it's only through the process of uh, bringing somebody on board and then managing that person through the onboarding process and helping them to actually determine whether we've got the right person or not. But ultimately, we still have to take responsibility for that because that rests on us as a leader. Anyway, this particular person has come on board and they started like a house on fire. But the last couple of uh, weeks in particular, in the last month or so, they started to show their true colors and certainly not living up to the expectations that this sales leader had actually set. Now, there's a level of uh, apathy that started to, to drift in and according to the to the sales leader, it appears that this particular individual, despite the conversations that are being had, despite the requests that are being made, it appears that they don't necessarily care. And there's this lack of a lack of attention to detail. There's appearing a lack of care. There's a lack of urgency. There's also a lack of common courtesy. And what this amounts to is a lack of professionalism. And one of the examples that he shared yesterday was he this this particular leader had travelled uh, extensively, and this particular new person they brought on board is a regional sales rep, regional business development manager, and uh, this particular sales leader had driven, had driven a number of hours to meet up with this particular individual. And he arrived at the location where they agreed to meet, and uh, this person wasn't there. And uh, he waited 15 minutes, turned into half an hour, 45 minutes, and he gave a call to this particular new sales rep to ask him where he was. And uh, he said, well, I'm an hour and, a, hour and 20 minutes away didn't even have the common courtesy to let this person know that he was uh, running late. Uh, didn't even didn't even didn't even come to be into his frame of reference. There was no proactive phone call, no email, no text message. It was just, oh well, I'll be there when I get there. And it, it this person had traveled hundreds and hundreds of kilometers to meet with him. And the whole point of this was and we, and the way the way we talked about it, the way we unpacked this, and it was all around 
the standards that have been set and what are the expectations is this person has been given, I guess, empowerment to run a regional patch for this particular organization. And the sales leader who is wanting to spend some time with this person hasn't had hasn't been given the due courtesy of at least being advised that this person is going to be late. And so if this particular person has such a lack of awareness to the point where they don't see it's necessary to let their sales leader know that they're running late for a meeting or will be late and therefore can reschedule or even allow the sales letter not to come and travel to that particular region, what is this person doing in front of customers? And one of the key things we spoke about yesterday was around these uh, excellent standards and thinking about what is the impression this person is actually creating out there in the marketplace where he is representing this company's brand. Now, if he's turning up late an hour and a half to a meeting with an internal stakeholder, how often is he turning up late to external stakeholder meetings and what impression is he therefore creating in the eyes of the customers. The other thing to consider as well is this this person who is uh, appearing to be lacking professional courtesy, lacking professionalism, lacking care, he's also creating an impression with his own team as to that lack of lack of care. And I said to the leader that when you have a situation like that and when you see other people within the team Seeing that happen, and if we as leaders do not jump on it straight away, and if we don't stamp it out and either flip it really quickly or make a difficult decision to maybe release this particular person, that can have a detrimental impact on the culture and therefore the environment that is being created for our team members. Because they'll, they'll simply say, well, if this person's late and nothing happens, there's no consequences, then I can start dropping my ball a little bit so I won't work so hard as, being, as to be early to a meeting or to return this phone call, to return that email because there's no consequences. So the standards of excellence start to drop and they become standards of average and standards of mediocrity. So as leaders, we must be absolutely ruthless around the standards and the expectations that we set. And we must work relentlessly to measure performance against these, which means on two fronts. One, we need to be really clear on what are the standards of excellence that we want to be uphold for ourselves and what we want to hold ourselves against and what we represent. And two, we need to be really ruthless in terms of the standards of excellence that we expect our team to adhere to and our team to demonstrate aptitude around. And so what are some of these? And it's going to be different for different teams, depending on your industry, depending on the size of the team, uh, a whole host of different factors. But here are some things we spoke about yesterday, just some common standards of excellence that might be something to consider if you haven't put these things in place already. Number one, it's and there's no particular order, number one is professionalism. Just thinking about how can we be professional? When you're representing a brand, and in a lot of cases, salespeople will now have uh, branding on them in terms of it might be uniforms, might be something on, on that might be wearing a cap, might be wearing a jacket. There'll be some form of branding on it that represents the company that they're representing and they're working for. If we are not professional, that creates an impression of in the eyes of the customer about what this company represents and what sort of standards this company allows to happen. So even though people love doing business with people who they know, like, and trust, the, the representation of the company will also start to, if they like the person, they'll start to like the company if that person is dealing with this individual with a high level of professionalism. Because remembering, the conduit into this organization is going to be through the sales rep in this particular case. So number one, professionalism. Number two, make sure there's clear communications. It can't be that difficult to pick up the phone, send a text message, write an email, to communicate to somebody. There is so much technology available to us at our fingertips, there is no longer any excuse not to communicate. And even back in the good old days before mobile phones, there was a stack of public telephone booths around 
that people could still communicate back back to base, back to office. There was still that expectation to keep the lines of communication open. Just be clear, and we've we've talked about a lot about on this podcast the the habits of an effective negotiator. They are always visible. They're always crystal clear, and they always take the complex and make it simple. Just common courtesy, common 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 sense is be clear in your communications. Number three is respect. Respect yourself first and foremost. Respect others, but also respect the organization that you work for, and that will come through in everything you do. Number four is punctuality, something that this particular individual, this sales rep, needs a massive, massive check up from the neck up around and being being punctual. And obviously, through the example that this person's been setting, not only does he not recognize and appreciate and give credit to being on time for himself, he doesn't respect the time of other people either because he didn't have the common courtesy of letting anybody know. And one of my earliest mentors used to always say, to be on time is to be late. To be early is to be on time. And it's something that uh, a lot of people, for whatever reason, a lot of people find it really difficult to get to meetings on time. And, and particularly in the hustle and bustle of big corporates, there are so many leaders that seem to be rushing from meeting to meeting and are perpetually late. One of those things is how they manage their priorities and what sort of priorities they give to those particular meetings. And they don't give themselves no buffer, but there's no excuse. Really, when it's all said and done, there is no excuse not to be punctual because you've got to think about what is the impression we're creating by us being early. It's a, it's a, it's a level of respect that we're now showing to the person or the people that we're about to have a conversation with by turning up early, not turning up late. And the fact is, when many people turn up late, often they're not in an emotional state to be able to deliver value. Often they're flustered, often they're quite reactionary uh, because they're always rushing. So be punctual, that's another standard of excellence. Number five is a positive attitude. Having a positive attitude, and it's not this positive, positive psychology thinking, but I did record a podcast not too long ago where we talked about the fact that your attitude and not your aptitude will ultimately end up determining your altitude. So it stands to the reason we have to have an optimistic and positive outlook on life and that is a standard of excellence so always looking at the glass being half full not having the glass being half empty and it's amazing when you're dealing with somebody who has a positive attitude all of a sudden the propensity to come up with ideas the propensity to be in a position to solve uh, problems solve challenges find solutions to problems exponentially increases when somebody's looking at things from an optimistic viewpoint because the presupposition in that positive attitude is there's always going to be a solution to every possible Problem. So it starts with a positive attitude, and that well could be a key standard of excellence that we put in place for our team. Number six that I've written down is persistence. Having to have persistence, having to go through the go through the process over and over and over again. And I'll probably add persistency and consistency to this as a standard of excellence. So they're just six. There's probably hundreds and hundreds of standards of excellence you can come up. They're just some of the things I thought about based on the conversation I had with this particular client yesterday. But the key thing is. We've got to make sure we put these in place and we've got to make sure that they are clearly communicated but also clearly measured constantly. We've got to be uncompromising in establishing them but also uncompromising in measuring performance against them. And unfortunately, it looks like in this particular case, this individual who was brought on, who's three and a half months into their six-month probation, has not had any of these standards of excellence put in place. There's a bit of a challenge there. However, having said that, We also talked about the fact that we have now an opportunity to correct this person's performance and give them the opportunity of getting back on track. If, of course, this person's worth investing in in the long term, and if not, 
then the wheels sever tires. But the way to do that, and I talked about this on a podcast a week or so ago in terms of correcting performance, and nobody wants to go through the onerous performance management process, but the opportunity that this, this particular sales leader has is that this individual is still within the probation period. So they actually don't have to go through a process of correcting for performance because they can actually just sever tires right away. But I said to them, hey, before you do that, just think about whether this person is worth investing in, whether this person has potential, and whether you think this person has the capacity to turn around their aptitude and turn around their attitude in order to get back on track and who potentially could become a great acquisition for the organization. But three things we need to to focus on in order to make that happen. Number one, we've got to clearly identify the problem, which means we've got to sit down with this individual and articulate the problem and have them recognize that there is a problem that needs to be dealt with. That's the first thing. Number two, we've got to identify a solution. What is the solution that needs to be put in place? Now, ideally, you have that person who you're dealing with come up with a solution because there's a high probability they'll take ownership on that solution. But if they don't have I guess the frame of reference or the, the wherewithal to be able to do that, then identify the solution, but make sure it's crystal clear. Make sure we communicate that really clearly. And the third part is to transfer ownership, and that is get them to take accountability, That get them to take um, responsibility and effectively say, yes, I will take this on and I will do this because this is what we're going to be measured on. So if we can do that, then chances are we can get them back on track. But the overarching message here is just to be ruthless in our pursuit of excellence. So it starts with us getting really, really clear on what those standards of excellence actually are. There may be there may be some of the things that we talked about today for you, or there may be some other ones that are more appropriate for you to put in place. But the key message is you've got to put some standards of excellence in place. You've got to know what those are. You've got to then communicate those very clearly. But most importantly, you've got to measure everybody, including yourself, against those standards of excellence. Now, when we do that, we build a thing called consistency. And we can build an environment which underpins the ability for us to now create great results and have those results over time become sustainable. So I trust that message helps. And of course, if you're ready to take your leadership to the exceptional level, love the opportunity of working with you one-on-one. When you are ready, simply go to leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time, we'll jump on Zoom. We'll have a conversation about where you're at. Understand what exceptional sales leadership looks like for you. Put a plan together and then start executing on that plan as early as next week. So very much look forward to that conversation. And uh, thanks again for plugging into the podcast. I hope you have a phenomenal weekend and look forward to sharing with you once again on a brand new episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.